So welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Thanks again for staying with us. And today I am joined by Sister Rose Carmel McNamara, who's a, miss, a Mercy sister. She's currently working in Romania. Hello, Rose Carmel. You're very welcome to our podcast here at Come and See Inspirations today. Thank you, John. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. I come across... Um, uh, Sister Rose Carmel, or Rose Carmel, in a different forum there recently, and uh, we've built up a little bit of a relationship. And um, Rose has very kindly agreed to come on and tell us her story. Now, at some later stage, um, we might ask Rose to come on and talk to us about her vocation story, but not today. Today, we want to speak about her work in Romania. And I believe it all started, Rose, Rose Carmel, when you came to Romania on a holiday from England in the year 2000. That's right. Not a place that people would have at the top of their list for a holiday destination. Can you tell us how that all came about? Well, John, my background has been in teaching for 26 years and then 10 years with learning disability, uh, adult learning disability. And after 10 years with them, I uh, felt the need for a change while I still had, had energy with me. Uh, I wasn't a chicken at the time, mm. um, but this is what I felt I wanted to do. I didn't think about coming to Romania at the, at the time because I thought, no, that would give me another language to pick up. And um, that, that meant too much work for me. So I decided, I, but then I got the opportunity. Somebody uh, was happened to be in our um, congregational head house and uh, spoke about the poverty uh, that she witnessed when she was had been out here for a short time. And um, I had a, a phone call from uh, the, the leader and um, I was asked, did I wish to go out to have a look at it? Because I particularly wanted to work with marginalised. So this I did. I took three weeks of my holiday um, the last two weeks of March and the 1st of April, linking uh, both years because we had to have the holiday before, the, um, one holiday before the end of March. So I came out to have a look for myself. And what I experienced, John, was a, a sense of helplessness. Um, I saw drab buildings in the older blocks where most of the poor were. Uh, the smell of garbage was absolutely uh, was absolutely horrendous. Uh, there were potholes in the roads all over the place. Um, I was warned not to speak in, in public transport, um, and the silence was absolutely uh, deafening. Excuse the pun. Um, uh, people I noticed were searching the bins for food. I saw a lot of homeless teenagers. And I learned that the teenagers were just sent out of the orphanages when they were 18. They weren't allowed to stay any longer and they had to fend for themselves. And of course, most of them were in the orphanages from the time they were babies. They were uh, destitute, they were abandoned and they had nowhere to go. And many of them I learned were just um, housed themselves at night in the sewers um, because of the underground heating. Uh, so I went back then and um, I asked permission, you know, to come out. And obviously the leaders were not um, very happy 
at my request because they thought, well, at my age, language would be very difficult, a new culture, um, everything would be different. I didn't know people. Um, so I said to them, well, if I don't cope, I'll come back. And the congregational leader was very, very open. And she says, well, that's fair enough. If you don't cope, you come back. So, you know, we, you must have the opportunity of, of um, trying if you feel that way inclined. So that's how I came out here. And, you know, I was just thinking there when you said that you didn't know one, anyone, you didn't know the, much about the culture, you didn't know the language. So you decided, obviously, the Holy Spirit was with you. But you you decided to give it a go. So how did you get started and, and what work did you become involved with when you did start? Well, when I was in England, I uh, somebody contacted me. Um, she had a, a link with um, a foundation in Bucharest uh, with uh, HIV positive children. And she asked me, because she knew that my background had been in teaching, uh, if I'd be happy to teach them English. So I had that to start with. I was very fortunate in meeting up with a very good friend. We're still the best of friends, uh, Lisa. And uh, she came with me to um, out to the different places and showed me where the poor were. Uh, I had organized before I came out um, a food box appeal and and instead of having, you know, bits and bobs in the boxes, I asked people just to put non-perishable food. And Lisa and myself, we uh, brought these out to people. Uh, we also um, met in street corners, at street corners and in side alleys. Uh, we did this on a Sunday so that we wouldn't attract attention. Um, obviously, I was followed at one stage. Um, but, you know, that that's how we went. Uh, in the meantime, I was with the children as well. Um, I not only taught them English, but I took them out for outings to the parks, brought them into a cafe for, you know, for a, a Coke or a drink, whatever they wanted. And uh, we built up a very good relationship. So, you know, as time went on then, I, you know, going out to the people, I saw how they were just on their own. Um, most of the, the men seemed to die earlier here. And uh, they were just in dire situations. And I kind of felt, well, there must be some way of bringing these people together. They were completely isolated. And people were afraid to talk to each other. So I had the idea of um, going to one of the churches and asking the priest if he could, if he had a spare room that I could use. And he said, well, he had a basement room. Uh, it was very small. In fact, getting down to the basement, you take your life in your hands, but we managed it. Um, and it was, uh, as we'd say in Ireland, you wouldn't swing a cabinet, but it was good. It was a place. And I started off with three people and had a breakfast. Now, at the beginning, there was absolute silence. It was very uncomfortable. Mm. They were afraid to touch the food. They were afraid to say anything. Um, they, they wouldn't talk to each other. So I thought, oh, I got the brainwave then of uh, putting on a tape with Irish music. I didn't, I didn't have CDs at the time. I only had tapes. 
and I put on, on this tape and I started jumping around to the gist of the music. And of course, they thought this was hilarious, an old woman jumping around the place, uh, unheard of there. So they suddenly started to laugh and to smile. It was okay to laugh. It was okay to smile. They started eating. And then uh, we were, you know, comfortable there. A couple more joined us, but then the, the location was too small. So I went looking for another one. Again, I got a basement, but here I could locate about 10 people. Um, it was easier to get down the basement in this area. And um, the people here were very comfortable because they had been with at the breakfast and they joined me, you know, in this next location. And then gradually a few more joined on. And then, of course, we developed further and I had to look for someplace else. So I was roaming from place to place. But then the next place I got, it was a lovely big room um, and again, a church. And the priest was very, very open and, uh, you know, very willing to help in any way. And he brought me into the kitchen and he said, now, this is the kitchen. You can cook anything you want. Please feed my people. And uh, that we were there for, you know, some time. So that was absolutely fantastic. Then as time went on, um, I needed more space. Now, at that time, the Daughters of Charity had uh, bought um, an apartment. And I asked at the time if I could have a room for storing bits and pieces that I was getting. And um, they, they very kindly let me. And then I needed more space. So I approached them again and I said, is there any possibility that I could have more space? And they said, oh, well, we're about to sell. They didn't know how to tell me, but this one and the person that I spoke to, we had set up a, a Vincent de Paul in another parish, you know, uh, earlier than that. Mm -hmm. We didn't become part of it. We just, um, you know, set it up and, and left them to it after that. And so she knew exactly, you know, my thoughts for the poor. And they were very similar to her own. So she said to me at the time that she would put my request uh, towards the people uh, who were selling, but she knew there were five others interested as well. Now, I said to her, could I first offer? I didn't have one cent in plus for a house. So uh, she said, anyway, it came back to me. Yes, we're, we're letting you have them have the apartment. Well, in the meantime, I set about writing letters looking for funding, um, in mainly to England and Ireland. And within two weeks, I had the price of the apartment. Uh, they are obviously a miraculous um, gift from the Lord. And we were, we were given the, the first offer and we were told we could have it at the price that they bought it for a few years before. Um, and they left all the furniture that they they had furnished it and everything was there. So it was a, a really a gift from heaven. And then, you know, we started expanding more. And um, then we, we felt that we had to have an association because of something that came to me personally. Mm -hmm. um, the Securitate, the secret police, caught up with me.
And uh, one day I was with the children and uh, the foundation there uh, got a phone call looking for my mobile number. They had no choice but to give what to give it. It came from the government. And uh, they had they asked to meet me at a certain place, certain time that day. I was taken by car to a big building, a government building. Uh, my phone was taken from me as I went in. My identity was taken from me. Uh, my watch was taken from me. And uh, I thought it, it, the security was worse than airport. So um, anyway, I was taken to the very top part of the building, to the very end room. It seemed as I was walking along like a, a mile long. I'm sure it wasn't, but that's what it felt like. And when I eventually got to the room, I was confronted with eight people. Uh, two were from um, the Sanitate, which is the, the health. Um, of course, I, I was working with HIV-positive children. Um, uh, two were from the government. There were two secretaries and two from the security police. And I was questioned for three hours. Now, I would say that their English was on a par with my Romanian, which at that time was very, very little. But I had enough to understand. And they kept coming back to the fact, now your foundation, your association, but I didn't have one. But they kept coming back to that. I understand that that was the way the security police question, going back to the same questions in the hope of tripping you up at one stage. But um, the spirit was with me. I was secretly praying uh, during this time. Um, and um, so after three hours, I I got away from them. And uh, then straight away, I contacted my good friend, Lisa. And uh, she came straight away. And we decided there again, we had to do something. We had to send up, set, set up uh, an official either association or foundation. Um, an association, we were told, had less steps to take. So we went for that. Um, it was not easy. It took years. But um, I felt that the devil was working every step of the way. Because as soon as it got to one thing, then another law came out that they needed another paper. So the lawyer contacted us, uh, uh, we have to get such and such. Then we'll go to the next stage and the same thing happened again. This happened over years. And it, uh, then when I got to the top court, um, apparently the lawyer said to us beforehand, oh, don't worry, everything is signed and sealed now. When it goes there, because it's gone through the hoops, um, it will just be signed. But when I got to the town court, the judge, for some reason, could not be there. We heard that she had been ill. And there was a, a young, inexperienced judge in her place. And she was afraid to sign. So it was put back again. But eventually, we got there. And we're, we're still there. <laughs> Wow, that's a, that, 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 that's some journey you took there. Can I just bring you back just a second to two, to two things that's on my mind? Um, first of all, well, I, I suppose even starting at the last statement you made, that the judge was afraid to sign. Yeah. Why, why would the judge be afraid to sign? Well, I don't know, because in Romania at that time, um, you wouldn't get people doing anything for nothing. Okay. That's the first thing. The second thing is, 
you mentioned that a lot of people, when you met them, first of all, they were afraid to talk. They were afraid yeah. to speak with it. Why was that? Because of the secure tactic. Is that right? Mm-hmm. But, but thank God now that that has changed. You was, the only thing I can say, you are some tough lady to continue working in those circumstances, not knowing who was your friend, who was your foe. Well, the poor were my friends. Yeah, okay. And it was because of them. And, you know, they, they gave me such strength. Yes. And, you know, over the time, you know, a lot of people have been helped. We helped um, children and families. Mm. Uh, we had children who couldn't go to school because they didn't have the bus fare. Um, so we supported in that way. Uh, others couldn't go to school because they didn't have the clothing, they didn't have uniform, and they didn't have the books that were required. Uh, we helped out there where there was a need. And also we had um, uh, children with disabilities that mm-hmm. we went out to. Um, we had um, Moira, who's now in heaven. Uh, she was four at the time and she got very ill. She was bedridden and she eventually lost all her speech. And when the mother, it was very difficult for the mother, uh, the father left, he couldn't cope with the situation. And um, it was so hard for her, you know, she she needed uh, somebody to talk to. So we made a visit, uh, you know, uh, an agreement to visit her on a regular basis. Uh, we managed to get a hoist because as she grew, she was in bed all the time, mm-hmm. obviously got very heavy. And the mother couldn't lift her to give her a proper wash, to give her a bath. Um, so we managed to get a hoist out from Ireland, um, which uh, gave the child and the mother more dignity. Uh, we had another child, Emma, uh, who was born without a spine. And uh, Emma's world was her tiny room. Uh, she was on the flat of her back. Her head had to be supported all the time. She couldn't sit up. And no matter when we went, she had a smile for us. And we managed to get um, a special chair from Ireland, from heart to hand in Wexford, Skarna County, Wexford. And they're still supporting me. Absolutely fantastic. And at the time, there was great difficulty in getting anything through customs. And apparently on that particular load at the customs in Hungary, the Hungarian border, um, everything was taken from the lorry except this chair that was left. Uh, And so we got got the chair for Emma and um, Emma, then they they had um, a table in front of it. So the parents taught her how to feed herself. Because before she was on her back, mm. she was fed with a spoon. Mm. Um, they took the first time they took her out into the garden. They were out of book rest, um, and they had a, a lovely garden. The grandmother uh, was gifted with flowers, and the garden was absolutely beautiful with the array of colours. And when Emma went the first time out, she hadn't seen the flowers. She wanted to feel the petals and um, go from one to another to get a different feel. And I don't know if she knew colours at the time, but she knew they were different. And um, so then in the evening, it started to rain and 
um, the mother went to take her in and she started crying. The mother said, well, Emma, why are you crying? Because you've had a lovely day, you've been out all day. And she says, yes, but I want to know what it feels like to have rain on your head. Mm, oh dear. Okay. So, you mm. know, I mean, how could you not grow from these instances? From, from those instances. I mean, you get a lot more than what you give. Um, and, you know, the, everything just, you know, sprung on from there. And we went out to a, an outreach, Chernoboda. Uh, the priest out there heard what we were doing and contacted me. And um, we went out and there were some desperate cases. Now, you know, as people died because we were concentrated on the elderly, because they were, I felt very vulnerable, though we had very vulnerable families as well. Um, you know, we did what we could for them, and they, they knew we cared. I didn't have much language, but the language of care spoke. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. And we had one family there living in a hole in the ground, and they had dug along themselves to, to, to make space, and they had a handicapped child. So, you know, it does, it's unbelievable how, how people um, survived but, um... You know, I, I, I'm just listening to you there, just recounting some of these instances that you that you had to cope with. And of course, the thought comes through my mind uh, that obviously the health, the health system, the health care that's given that, that's offered to the to these um, the people certainly isn't as good as what we would expect here in in Ireland and experience here in Ireland. Well, I must say it has improved. It's improved. Yes. And I was just going to come to that. So. Now, these days, now, you're obviously continuing to, to provide help. Is it mainly to elderly people? Or, yes. So can we, you give we, us some ideas, uh, you know, some ideas, examples of how you're helping people? Uh, we support uh, 40 elderly people. Um, we have groups. In fact, we've got more because we have an outreach as well. But uh, we have four groups of 10. And we bring them together uh, so that they can socialise uh, we give them a good meal. We can't cook in, a, in our apartment. That's, uh, you know, regulation. Uh, but we, we buy food in the supermarkets. You can get everything there and you can buy cooked food as well. Uh, so we give them a good meal. Uh, we have a bit of fun together. We play bingo together. Um, we, you know, a little bit of camaraderie together. Very good. And uh, just try to help them to forget their worries for the time. Winter time, we support them with their heating because uh, the seniors will, you know, want to mm. go without the heating rather than, you know, they haven't got the money for it. Their pensions are still very small. Uh, the ones that we have would be maybe people with less than €200 Euro for a month. Wow, and the price oh, and and the price prices have gone up no end here. No end have gone up. I mean, I know from my own bills because I account back to my own congregation for what I choose in the month, and it's certainly mm -hmm. not more than two hundred. And yes, and I just I try to live as the people live, you know. So that gives you some idea as as, yes. as how how they struggle. So we we support them uh, with. We, we buy food on the day that they're coming and uh, we, we, you know, give them about 10 items and we try to vary it so that from month to month they have different things. 
And we also supplemented from the food bank. We have a contract with the food bank and um, my social worker and, and the driver, we have a minibus. Um, they they go twice a month to the food bank and we supplement um, what we have. So they, they, they're well looked after now, the ones that we have. We have about 20 families. Um, we feel that's very important for the children to keep them at school. And uh, we say to them, we, we get evidence that the children are at school. Mm. And uh, mm. in fact, in the past, um, quite a number of our children have gone on to university and they wouldn't have got to school without our support. So uh, they are now, you know, helping their own families who have pulled away from them. Over the years, we've put a roof over the heads of five families. Wow. And all this came from donations. We don't get a penny from the government. In fact, last year, they asked us to take on some of their people that they didn't have the money within the, the government to, 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 pay, to look after them and were desperate. And they certainly were desperate. We took on five of them. And, and this all started with Rose Carmen going out there for a holiday uh, 20, over 20, <laughs> 22 years ago. <laughs> You've certainly built up, by the looks of things, you've certainly built up a good team over there. Um, I have a wonderful team and I can trust each one of them. I have a social worker that he, he just, you know, he looks after me as well as everybody else. Um, you know, and if I have to go somewhere, no, I'll come with you. Um, and he, he's absolutely brilliant. And he's he does, in fact, he's doing all the office work for me as well because the there two years ago my uh, person who was doing the office work left for another job and um he, he took it on and so he's doing that as well but um he certainly looks after me i look after him as well in different ways but he looks after me very well too uh, the thought comes to my mind um 22 years ago you went out there and the thought came to your mind you know you were no young chicken says you were that particular state <laughs> so the chicken has gone a little bit older now since uh, 22 years ago yeah um, any any thoughts on handing over the baton or i'd be happy to hand over the baton if i get the right person to come john mm. so you know certainly i'm looking i'm asking uh but uh, that person hasn't come my way yet but, you know, I'd want somebody trustworthy. My social worker certainly could do it, mm. but he wouldn't be in a position to get funding. Yes. Because uh, people, you know, when they think of Romania, uh, they don't always think it's uh, people are trustworthy. He's yeah. very trustworthy. But, you know, in the whole, people uh, don't look on Romanians um, as uh, trustworthy with money. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah. So it's not just, uh, and I'm going to come to that now in a minute, but I mean, that that's one of the maybe focuses of, of maybe people trying to help you out is maybe think in the lines of maybe they know of somebody somewhere out there who's um, maybe inclined after listening to your story, maybe thinking about getting involved themselves. I don't know. But well, if people, people have been out, John, from time to time. Um, you know, that's how I've met up with so many people in Ireland and in England, and people have come out for their own holiday here. Um, if they come out, unfortunately, I can't put anybody up because no. we're not allowed mm -hmm. to have anybody there. Mm -hmm. They'd have to look after themselves in mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. um, I, I certainly could feed them when they're with us, uh, but we couldn't put them up. 
And, um, but, you know, people would be very welcome to come and see for themselves. You know, if somebody says to me, what are you doing? Like I've had in the past, I had a, a create, creativity group, mm-hmm. which was absolutely wonderful. This was run by the expats, maybe the wives of ambassadors, the wives of people working in banks. Um, you know, uh, one person from Canada, her husband was working um in Colgate, he was one of the, you know, oh, one yes. of the top, the top people mm. at the time. Mm. And uh, she was, um, there were five years here and uh, Kathy got to know me. She was semi-professional with a, a camera. I'd, I'd say professional. Yes, yes. Uh, brilliant. Um, so it, she's back in Canada now for the last uh, nearly 10 years. And uh, she's been putting all my photos on Facebook uh, if I need a letter formatted, I just say, Kathy, I'm sending you this. Will you format it for me? Um, she does my news. And, you know, I write the newsletter. I send it to her. She puts in the pictures to go with it. And um, so she's still very much a volunteer with us, even though she's in Canada. It just shows, you know, if you're willing to take on the Lord's work, he doesn't leave you alone, does he? He, he pro- does not. He, no. he provides these little angels and these people who yeah. are only too willing yeah. to help yeah. out. So... So obviously you've got this thing up and going fair dues you and all the work you're doing and that work wouldn't get done without you. So you you mentioned you have a an association of a lady of mercy in Romania. So how can people find out a little bit more about the work you do and this association? Well, we we have a website, uh, Our Lady of Mercy in Romania, mm-hmm. and we have um, a Facebook page. And oh, sorry, the website is uh, World Wide Web Our Lady of Mercy Okay. Oral for Romania. Oral for Romania, okay. And the the Facebook page is Our Lady of Mercy in Romania. Uh, you can also get it by putting AFM because that's the um, the Romanian for Associata Fatora Maria, uh, Our Lady of Mercy, mm-hmm. um, uh, Romania. Um, Dot com, but usually for the English speaking people, I'd say Our Lady of Mercy in Romania. It's, it's easier because the other comes up with different things and I wonder which one to click on. <laughs> well, we'll certainly put up those links uh, both, both, both to the Facebook. I mean, certainly there's a lot of photographs on your Facebook page because I got in there myself and had a look. Um, and that's obviously your, your friend out there in Canada. Um, but we, keep, we keep it up to date and we let people know that things are happening. Well, certainly, no. when when I went onto your website there, uh, there, there, there was one particular video that I that I looked at, and, and really it was very informative, as, as to, to to relate a few stories as a, uh, how some of your how you've certainly helped those people who would have been lost without you. So, if people want to help you out, maybe financially, in whatever way, what's the best mm-hmm. way of them doing it? Is it going onto the website? Is it contact there? Yes, we have we have, all the details are there. Um, people in in a lot of people in Ireland, particularly in Dublin, my sister has been absolutely fantastic over the years. She came out herself in the early days to see for herself because mm. she felt she couldn't ask people for help if she didn't know what she was asking for, yeah. and she didn't believe the poverty that I spoke about. So she came out herself for three weeks, and she came everywhere with me, and. Um, so since that, every year uh, in her parish of Ballyrone, Temple Oak, Rathfarnham, um, she has uh, a coffee 
well, she calls it a coffee day, mm. but it's really, um, it turns into a, a social occasion. She, beforehand, she goes to the different bakeries. She goes to the different supermarkets. She gets all the cakes and different things she can. She gets, builds up uh, baskets for raffles and she has a big, big event. And after all the masses uh, on the Saturday evening and the two masses on the Sunday, she invites the people to come and, um, you know, take part. And she puts cakes and biscuits out for everybody. She's got a, a table along for people can buy cakes and she's different people baking for her. Absolutely brilliant. And she's older than me. Well, well I don't know how, <laughs> so you, how, how you guys she do will it. Put me, she will put me to shame, John. But um, she and her friends, she's got so many friends. And a lot of them, you know, give her money to get out to me. Well, if she gets money, it comes out to me straight away because, um, you know, she, and she's got no charges on banking because she's a senior. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, but we have we have our own set up here in Romania as well. And um, details are there. You know, Do you know I, 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 just as we come to, as we draw it to a close, um, just going back to the beginning and where you are now, I, I just mentioned, I know I mentioned this a few minutes ago, but I'm sure um, you, your faith and your your friends, your angels, as you call them. Yes. Uh, you're never left alone. You went out there, you no. didn't know the language, didn't have a clue about the place. Uh, you encountered all these problems, but you put all your trust in the Lord. Maybe there's a lesson for us all in that. Well, I'll just give you one little story about oh. trust. Okay. Um, just before I set up the association, when I was well trying to get things going, um, I had a statement from the bank here to say I had three euro in the bank. Okay. I was absolutely appalled. That particular day, I had arranged with my friend Lisa to go out to visit um, a lady who had was in the latter stages of gangrene in her foot. Her foot was blacker than the ace of spades. And uh, when I got this uh, statement, I thought I better go to the bank before I go out just to verify that this is correct. Mm -hmm. And it was correct. I came back and I said nothing to Lisa at the time. We went out to visit the lady. Now, she was absolutely a saint. I have lots of saints in heaven now praying for us. And... Uh, one particular person was having an operation that day in Ireland and she asked me for prayer. And I said to this person, will you put this person, I gave her, wrote her name down and uh, pray for her and because she's very frightened of having this surgery. And so what she did, anyone that I asked her to pray for, she wrote down on a piece of paper and three times a day she asked for the paper to go between her hands. And she took whatever time she wanted, an hour or so, just to give her pain, to give whatever thoughts came to her for all of these people. I left her with the paper in her hands. That paper, by the way, was buried with her. But with that, that uh, the paper in her hands, I came back here to my own place. And as I walked in, I saw that I had a fax. I have no fax now, but I had no uh, laptop at that time. And uh, so I thought, who on earth sending me a fax? 
I took the, looked at the facts and it was from somebody in Ireland who said, I have put 5,000 euro into your account. No, that's so trust. That's, that's the way the Lord has been working. So if you're doing the Lord's work, you're doing the Lord's work and he will provide whatever you need to do his work. Exactly. Once we start to take over and listen, thank you so much indeed for coming on and sharing that, that, that story with us today, sharing how the Lord has worked in your life and in turn helped those who can't help themselves. Thank you so much indeed. And please be aware of our prayers over here, especially on Come and See Inspirations. We'll certainly put all those links up, up on our uh, podcast uh, as we publish uh, this interview and also be assured of our prayer support. Before you leave, I always ask people to share a piece of music for us or to choose a piece of music. Mm-hmm. You've chosen a piece of music for us. Will you tell me what it is and why you chose it? Well, I'd love the circle of mercy, John, because as it says in the chorus, the circle of mercy is timeless. A circle has no beginning, it has no end. So for me, mercy doesn't have a beginning, it doesn't have an end. It just goes on and on and on. And also the words, you know, that we're touched by them. I'm touched by the poor um, and feel their strength and courage. They've suffered so much. And um, I, I come away a better person. And I have that sense of inner healing when I leave them. Sister Rose Carmel McNamara, it's a pleasure to listen to you and to uh, and to know you and to meet you. And please, God, we'll speak again at, at some stage. In the meantime, as this is the beginning of 2023, maybe wish you and all your colleagues out there a Happy New Year. God bless Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I wish you the same. A Happy New Year and peace and joy and everything that's good. God bless now. We touch the hearts of those who are in misery In mercy We're touched by them and feel their strength and courage In mercy We heal the pain of those who are in sorrow In mercy Drawn within the loving heart
Oh, 